All right, y'all, this is How Soon Is Too Soon, part two. We got a little interrupted with the first episode, so Nate is going to continue with his point for part two. Um, So, not sure where I got interrupted at, but I'll just start back in saying that Alyssa was um, saying that she would rather somebody buy a $40 ring than uh, spending a lot of money. I was saying that she values somebody taking that money and putting it, using it as a tool, whereas somebody else is going to value and say, show me that you value me, show you, show me how much you care. Part of that is buying an expensive ring. It's not all of it. Of course, the relationship as a whole and how you treat that girl is going to be a part of it, but some uh, women want that. And so there, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, I just think that you have to know yourself and you have to know who you're with. And again, I think it's really important because women do not want to marry a man that is going to bring them down, especially as a woman who's worked so hard to create her own independence. That's what she's worried about. So I think that that's what's going on. Sorry, guys. We got a little bit of uh, children. When you have a house full of kids, uh, you run into some roadblocks. Sorry about that. But, um, yeah, that's what I think happens with uh, with buying a ring. So I, I don't think, again, you have to be uh, financially sound. I think it's more of what do you do with it? So. Um, yeah, I agree. I think I think it's to each his own in that in that in that point, I guess, to each his own and mm-hmm. being financially sound to get married is not necessarily a requirement. Um, it's just based on your preference. I will say a lot of, and I, I just, I don't know. Rings to me are not, they do not exemplify readiness or the maturation of your relationship or your mindset. I remember when we got married and um, someone. Well, I don't, I don't think that. A ring should be the end all be all. Well, I'm saying what I'm saying is people put too much emphasis on this. And I think that a lot of people who are not ready to be married make the mistake of thinking that because you can purchase something or because you have money, you are um, you're mature enough or you're ready to be married because you could have all those things, a career, money. Um, you could think that your relationship is awesome and you're still not ready to be married. Mm-hmm. In my mm-hmm. opinion, I, I don't, I remember when we were about to get married or we had already been, we were already married maybe for a month or so. And I had the ring and I was, I, I thought it was extremely gaudy. I don't know. No offense to any woman that enjoys wearing real diamonds. But for me, it was just gaudy. I wanted a Walmart ring. I wanted a band or I wanted cubic zirconia. I just did not want a diamond. When they say diamonds are girls' best friend, it's not my best friend. Um, someone, a mother of a, a girl who is about to be married, um, she saw my ring and she she was talking about how her daughter was about to get married and how um, the boyfriend had bought a ring and she saw my ring and she was like, oh, wow, that's such a little diamond. Um, and if I could describe my ring, it's it's a medium sized diamond with a band that like interconnects with two smaller diamonds. So if you were to put those two smaller diamonds um, together with a medium sized diamond, I think it would equate a large diamond. And so, <laughs> okay. 
I mean, That's, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Why are you laughing? Because it's like, oh, I got, I don't know. You put it all together, it's a big diamond, but it's still like a whole bunch of small diamonds. Right. So when she said that, I was just thinking like, I thought a lot of ungodly things. I'm not going to lie. First, I thought, well, at least I'm married and I don't have um two babies by a man who's promising to get married to me. But he, he got you a big ring, though. But I'm married. And but that was mean and that was ungodly. But that was my first go to. And then my second go to was like, gosh, what does it matter? Did you really just ask me if I got married and to see my ring to somehow view my ring and and measure how valuable my marriage is or how much money my man has as to compare if, if, if your daughter's man is better than mine? Like, Why did you ask me to see my ring? That really made me mad and really made me want a, a Walmart ring. Because I bet if I put a Walmart ring on with a big diamond, she wouldn't even know the difference. Sorry. I just, I don't see the the the, the importance of a big ring. And if you do. You don't. That's the thing. I don't. don't. I don't. But it's okay if you do. Because I value other things that many women probably don't. Or many other people probably don't. But the point is, it's like a ring is not an indicator of readiness to be married and neither is you being together so how soon is too soon it's not just about the finances um a man or a woman could have uh, a great job they could have a great house they can have all these different things but they're still emotionally a child yeah. um and in the same breath just because you've been together for six years and you guys finally decide to get married that doesn't mean you're ready to be married either because you guys may have been together for six years but you may not be ready to sacrifice despite the time that you've been together you could be together six months and yes and you say yes i'm ready to get married i'm ready to sacrifice because one thing i've learned about marriage marriage is very it's a you have to be willing to sacrifice um if you're not willing to do that um, in multiple areas, um, both like practically like sacrificing closet space, sacrificing emotional, um, then you're not going to be ready. So it doesn't matter whether you're uh, six years in or six months in. It's yeah. about sacrifice. So having a big ring is a is a deal to some. It's a deal to not. But what else does this person bring to you? Yeah, yeah. I know a couple that that the that they got together as soon as the girl was able to date. They had the dream wedding. They had the dream ring. Everything you could imagine being picture perfect. And their marriage lasted less than a year. And I know somebody who knew um, who knew a girl. They were friends for a while or associates, you know. And he was in a relationship for a long time. He got out of that relationship. And then he was with that young lady for six months or so and then after that six months they got engaged uh, a few months later they got married are you talking about us no oh <laughs> i was about to be like this sounds super <laughs> <laughs> no i'm not talking about i know somebody else not named nate um so yeah it 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 doesn't the time frame doesn't matter why don't you tell them about us real quick well with nate and i we nate um, Nate and I met in college. I met Nate in March of 2014. And when did we get married? And we got married 
in June of 2015. But just when did to, we start dating? Well, while well, I was trying to paint that oh, picture, so even though we met in March, um, we went on our our first date, non date, in April, um, and then catastrophic catastrophic events occurred and we stopped. I made bad decisions. Which Be real. Be transparent. I mean. I made bad decisions. You're so loud. I made bad decisions. So, Nate, um, I mean, do you want the entire story? Well, just, just, the, just, so, yeah, Nate made bad decisions and Nate de- decided that he wanted to be elsewhere. After one date, he, <laughs> he decided that where I was was not where he wanted to be. And so we stopped talking and um, we bumped into each other in June of 2014, July of 2014, and uh, started a small friendship. And then we started dating in September of 2014. And uh, I became with child in December of 2014. And we got married in June of 2015. So we're still married four years later, hoping to see many more. And again, you have to kill me first. Well, I'm saying, like, you know, if one of us dies, that's the only way. Oh. That's super morbid. (laughs) But uh, the point is, it really is less about. Um, time um, and money and more about mindset. I think if your mind is in the right place, you can accomplish and do whatever it is that you want to do. Because, I, listen, I hear and, 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 and hear and see women say all the time, um, there's no man out there that's ready for me. And I'll ask, what equates readiness? A degree, a good car, um, a nice place to live, Uh, you know, somebody just on a business professional mindset. This is exactly how some some people will say it. And I'll be like, well, that's probably why you're not married yet. I mean, for real. You have to find someone that's worth struggling with. And I'm not saying criteria to get married with someone is they're struggling and you willing to struggle with them. I'm saying that a lot of good marriages are built on hard years of having no money. A lot of good marriages are, their foundation is on, man, you were with me when we were struggling and and we trusted in God and God saw us through. Do you remember those times? And I'm not saying you have to struggle with someone for your marriage to be, well, you do have to struggle, whether it be monetarily or emotionally, a marriage is struggle. A marriage is struggle, period. period. And so you have to find somebody, whether you're starting your marriage from the bottom or you're starting your marriage from a financially secure place, there's going to be struggle in the marriage. So the person that you're married to or that you're marrying, did I say that right? Marrying? Marrying. I think I put some country in there. Anyways, the person that you are married to or about to marry, are they somebody that you can struggle with? Right. Someone you're willing to struggle with. So, I know people are probably asking, did you get married just because you found out you were pregnant? Well, <laughs> well, no. I think once I met Nate, I knew that I wanted, if I was going to struggle with someone, it would be him. Um, the marriage definitely expedited. I'm sorry, the child 
being with child expedited our marriage. But I, I think when I met Nate, I just knew I was just like, you know, and that sounds so super like you just knew, like, what does that mean? But I just knew it was just authentic and genuine. I didn't have to fake who I was. I just knew that this person was someone I wanted to be with. I could be honest with him. There was no like, you need to change yourself. It was more along the lines of, can you reassess and come back to me and and, and let me know what you've evaluated? Or let me give you some ideas to put in your mind. Think about those things and come back to me. Nate was not trying to change the way I thought or who I was. He was trying to enhance who I was and, 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 and made moves to make me better by asking me difficult questions that I had never asked myself. And that's how I knew, you know, I was like, this is a person that I want to spend my life with. Like, for example, my birthday, um, I wasn't pregnant yet. We were still dating. You know, every girl dreams of wonderful birthday gifts. Every girl gets beautiful flowers and, you know, babe, I want this and I want that. And, And Nate got me every material thing I asked for. But Nate got me something else that... Um, that I wouldn't even imagine someone giving. Nate took me to this secluded area by the university. It wasn't secluded so he could kill me. There were enough people. Because <laughs> I told one of my friends this story like two weeks ago and she was like, I would be really scared. So I, I really need to tell this story with clarity. It was Nate. broad daylight. <laughs> it was broad daylight. It was a fall, crisp morning. The leaves were changing colors. It was wonderful. Um, and Nate said, I want you to take 30 minutes and walk on this path. And I want you to think about your 21st year of life. How did you spend, I was turning 21. So your 20th year of life, no, your 21st year of life through these, the time progressing up to being 21 what are some things you really enjoyed what are some things you wish you changed what are some things that you're looking forward to what are some ideas that you have what are some ways you feel like you could have done better I mean questions that I don't even think I really even asked myself just all these ideas and he said I'm gonna give you 30 minutes I'll walk far behind you to make sure that you know obviously no creep comes up and punches me but there were people kind of you know maybe like two people jogging on the trail but he was like I'll walk far behind you and I want you to take 30 minutes and he put a timer on and he wouldn't let me talk to him before the 30 minutes were up and I I would say I didn't even know how to talk to myself and it wasn't until that moment that I I thought of myself as an individual, just me, Alyssa, not Desir Brown at the time. Who am I? Who do I want to be by myself? Not someone's daughter, not someone's sister, but like, who am I to myself? And um, that's when I realized, like, you know what? This guy really wants me to be a better me. I've never met anyone. I'm sorry. I've never dated anyone who was looking to enhance me for me. I've dated people who are like, ooh, you skinny, you fine. (laughs) (laughs) Or like, yeah, like you, God wants us to be together. Like, we're both Christians. You a Christian, I'm a Christian. You cute, I'm cute. And back then I was cute, you know, real skinny. You still cute. Thanks, babe. Prior to the children in life. You You know, I I mean, I'm cute, but I'm just. You sexy, girl. Ooh. 
But Ooh. you know, it was hard to determine. Ooh. OMG, it was hard to determine who wanted me for me and who. Well, it wasn't hard to determine, but in a way, sometimes because people who want to just have sex with you, sometimes they'll they like they 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 hold out and they make it really like they want to spend time with you. But Nate was so genuine about everything, and it, it just felt right, like. So to segue, I actually had two points of um, how you know you're ready for marriage or how I knew I was ready um, or if I could go back in time, some things that I would adjust. So number one is, do you know yourself? Um, Can you spend moments alone asking yourself hard questions? Um, Are you able to self-regulate? manage your emotions and your feelings not act on being angry because you are angry um i've heard stories of women who my my boyfriend's stupid he ain't take out the trash so i ain't talking to him today or i've heard girls say like i was angry so i yelled um i just and i i don't feel sorry for them because i that was me i had to learn just because i'm angry doesn't mean i need to act angry just because i feel emotion doesn't mean that there needs to be an outward reaction towards it and i used to do things to hurt nate's feelings i used to feel an emotion and make sure that he felt it as well and i've i think prior to getting married married you need to think about having grace on yourself and on others Um, And so knowing yourself and really being able to self-regulate to me is super important. And then I also think about, can you be without your significant other for a long period of time? I know a lot of married women who once their husband gets home, you can't talk to them. They are not around. Um, You cannot ask them to do any activity at all because it is straight me and hubby time and I've seen situations where the girl will be like oh no no baby you'll be home we can't and husband will be like go and and the wife will be like no 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 babe we can't because because you know you'll be home and while I respect that and I think it's honorable and noble to want to spend time with your husband after he's worked all day I think you can sacrifice one evening for a girl's night to get away from the kids or one evening to go to a Bible study. I mean, I've seen women. You're not. You're not asking. You're not saying every night. You're just saying right. one night a week. Not even one one night a month. I remember one of my friends. I was like, "Girl, you are home every night. Your dinner's ready. He is okay. He's telling you go out, and you still won't go out. I just want to spend time with him." And I I began to realize that this friend of mine had no identity outside of her husband post being married. And I think it's so important to know who you are. And I was like that with Nate. I always wanted to be with Nate when we were dating. I was like, oh, if Nate's not doing it, I don't want to do it. Or my friends would be like, ever since you met Nate, all you do is stay at home. Partially because mm-hmm. I didn't want to hang out all the time. They would be doing some weird stuff like camping out in the des- in the not the desert, but in the forest by UCF. And I'd be like, I don't want to do that. But <laughs> also because... I just wanted to be around Nate all the time because I, I feared being by myself and I feared being without him. And I think you need to ask yourself, can I be without him? Um, or am I sitting up here finding my identity and finding myself in him? And on the flip side of that, can you can you be with that person? Because there's there's a point where 
you're so I don't want to say complete, but you're so independent that you're that you're not willing to make the sacrifice to say I'm going to subject my time, which is no longer my time. And it's kind of just that my mind switch that you have to flip is like it's not my time anymore. So, yes, I have to devote I have to be intentional and devote time to spending time with my wife, spending time with my family um, in the same way that you have to be intentional about being separated and being saying, you know what? I need some me time and there's nothing wrong with me time. It's, it's a balance. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's important to know yourself in Christ. And I've just gotten to the place where outside of Nate and our children, I can say like, y'all, I need a moment. I'm re- I need to read. I need to talk with God. I need to recalibrate myself because if I don't, I will begin to lose myself again. I need to spend a moment alone so that I can talk to myself and talk through things with myself and God. And you need to be able to do that um, because ultimately God comes before your husband and um, God is the most important thing in your life. If you're a Christian, he should be. Um, and so he takes precedent over everything else in your life. And if you can't make time for him because you're so caught up in your husband and yourself. Idol worship. Yeah. It's, you're essentially creating an idol out of your husband and your marriage and it will fail. And it will become. It'll become hell. Yeah. And it will. Like, I'm not just saying that this is like all truth, all things we've been through. I remember one time we went to this woman was holding up, having a event at her house. And I didn't know her well. I was just attending the event, helping a friend. And you were there. Uh, So we can't get ultra specific. (laughs) Um, And this lady just kept making references to how much she wanted to get married and how once she finds her man of God, um, this will be, I'll be this way. I'll be that way. You know, um, I can't wait to find my man of God. God is just, um, just preparing me for this man of God. And, um, we're holding this event at her home. And I remember one person like moved a dish an inch away from where she wanted and she flipped out. She was like, you can't do that. And 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 then and then her real personality started to be revealed. It was like every little thing. She was extremely anal, wanted things her way. And if you changed anything, you could just see her shaking. And I and I'm thinking like who do you think you're about to marry? We can't Who even raised you. Like we can't even come in your house. You agreed to have this event in your home and you won't even compromise on a simple serving spoon. And granted, you know, you have a soft spot for your significant other, but this woman, there was no compromising. And I'm like, you have this illusion that God is going to bring this man into your life. God may have already brought men in your life. They were attracted to you, maybe liked you a lot for your personality, but then realized how anal and selfish you were and decided that you weren't for him. You have to be selfless and you have to know yourself and be willing to share your time with God and share your time and resources with your husband and potentially a child. Um, the last point I have is, do you know the family that your spouse comes from and their principles? Ooh. Lord. 
So we I gotta have a whole other thing. On we this, do, but I I just want we to grade because we could go. We could go. I just want to graze the surface with this. I married Nate. My parents are Jamaican. Nate's parents are Haitian. Suck my say. What up to my souls? Always. Um, I always, whenever I meet someone, I always preface our conversations with that because the two cultures, while both in the Caribbean and have um, some uncanny similarities, they also have some vast differences. Jamaicans, Jamaica was colonized by England while France was called uh, France. Haiti was colonized by French, France, the French, the French. Sorry, by France. And so you see those small little nuances and personality difference and differences and cultural differences in the two islands. When I married Nate, Lord have mercy, before I even married Nate, I think I was deemed disrespectful <laughs> when I got to the front door. So in Haitian culture, you're supposed to come in and kiss everyone and say hello. And in Jamaican culture, you could just come in and be like, Wagwan, like, what's up? Hello, everybody. I'm here. Hey, everybody. Hey, Auntie Cheryl. Hi. Hey. You know, nope. In Haitian culture, you have to say, oh, Auntie Metty. You have to go to everybody. How are you? Hugs and kisses. You have to, to kiss everybody. every single human being in the room. And if you kiss 90%, kiss and hug 90%, and you miss 10, you are the rudest human and individual in the entire world. And so I got a taste of that amongst a plethora of other cultural differences that deemed me uh, unfit to marry their precious one, Nathaniel. Um, in addition to that, Nate had ideas about family planning and what a family looked like that I didn't necessarily um, subscribe to those thoughts or think that that was what a family was. And that is definitely a subject for another time. Um, if you're not Haitian and you're not Jamaican, then you you know you probably don't understand fully, and we'll just have to disclose it in a different podcast. But no. Who? I don't understand fully. Yeah, right. <laughs> what are we talking about? Fully know the family and the principles of the person who you're marrying. I remember that's the first question my brother asked me. He was like, well, do you know his family? And I'm like, uh, we've met. He was like, oh, Lord. He was like, I'm telling you, Alyssa, when you marry somebody, you marry their family. And it, it's it's so true because there was a point when I wanted to stop Nate from seeing his family. And my brother confronted me. And my brother never yells. This particular brother never yells. And he yelled at me. And he was like, you are stopping this man from seeing his family because you don't want to see them. He was like, and, and when this topic resurfaces, you are going to come up multiple times. Um, you are going to come up with a reason as to why he is estranged from his family. Do you want that? Do you want your kids to not? I mean, he went in on me. And I'm telling you, when this yeah. brother is as cool as a cucumber, he could care less, really. And when he said that to me, I was like, dang. Ugh, but I don't really like everybody. It, it doesn't matter. So, again, this is definitely a topic for another time. But know the family. I think families can sometimes be a deal breaker as far as marriages. A lot of people ask me, like, if you knew Nate's family before you got married to him, would you still marry him? 
And the answer is yes. I'm always up for a challenge and I'm always willing to come outside of myself. And I, I, I yeah. 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 It, it would have been different though. Cause again, we got married pretty quickly. So there's a whole bunch of other uh, nuances that made the transition difficult. But, um, like Alyssa is saying, you want to know the family because that is who you're going to be connected to for the rest of your life. Yeah. And, I'm going back to the same thing. If if the person that you're married to is not going to be able to make sacrifices, you got to know that before you're uh, tied to them forever. Yeah, not willing to stand up to their mom or their dad or not willing to learn. Or not willing to teach you. Or right. not willing to be gracious when you don't know things. Right, So right. And that that's a huge point of contention. The whole um, extended family aspect that is definitely an episode for another time because those type of things can make or break you blended family with of which i come from those things can make or break you like it marriage is like a science that i feel like it still has so many untapped areas um so yeah just know the family and we'll talk more about family in a different episode thank y'all for listening so much Next week is a viewer choice. We will choose two viewer questions and or topics to cover and discuss during the podcast. Last week, we had a good old time discussing the questions and the topics that were sent in to us. And next week, we hope to have the same grand time doing the same. Um, If not, we will choose our own topic and go from there but we're hoping to hear from you all and and hear what you want to hear and discuss what you feel we should cover so y'all have a good week be blessed know that we are praying for all our listeners and their marriages and their potential marriages future marriages we love you guys thank you so much for your support have a wonderful week deuces All right, y'all, welcome to The Knot, where we discuss, talk about, chop it up about everything marriage is and is not. I'm Alyssa, and I am here with my wonderful husband, Nate. (laughs) (laughs) So, she just hit me with the phone. That's why she's laughing, because she gave me a black eye. So, if y'all see me in the streets, Alyssa hitting people out here. I'm a beast, I didn't say abusive. She said abusive. You know you can get arrested for that as an as an adult. I guess that's why I didn't that. say it. Well, because if you get arrested, who's gonna take care of the kids? Your mom. And on that note, we segue right into the topic of the day. We did segue into the topic that's of the day. That's a perfect segue. I know, but before we segue, make our way into the topic of the day, Nate doesn't have any dad jokes, but I have a book suggestion. I recently read Capture His Heart by Lisa Turkhurst. I can never get her last name right. First, I was saying Turkhurst, Turkist, Turkhurst. Turquoise. Turkhurst. Anyway, Capture His Heart is an amazing book. It's an easy read. It's really short, but it has some simple ways, um, simple and useful ways on how to capture your husband's heart, how to be patient with him, and 
Um, especially if you're struggling or even if you're not struggling. It's just one of those handy dandy books that you just have to have on your shelf. So on that note, y'all go check it out. It is amazing, short and sweet. And that's how some of y'all like your reads. Because some of y'all grown folk don't know how to read a book. <laughs> and that's okay. We're very busy. You know, I'm only a little free because it's summer break. But anyway, capture his heart. Nice and short read. And go ahead, wives, go ahead and purchase that. Take it out from your local library, buy the ebook, whatever you got to do. But it's really good, it's a staple. Do it all, do it all, do it all. Today, we are discussing parental involvement in our marriage, our marriages before, during. There's not much of an after, but before and during marriage parental involvement what that looks like what we think should happen what has happened to us maybe some things that should happen so um first we'll just start with story time and then we'll kind of go from there so my experience with my parents um my parents and I are close I've always talked to my parents about pretty much everything Besides, you know, my deep, deep secrets, only Jesus knows. But my experience with my parents is really great. And so when I was dating Nate and as we're married, I feel that I was able to talk with my parents a lot about my marriage and um, some of the things I was going through. And while that sounds ideal, I think I learned the hard way that um, I needed to get some other friends because parental involvement in your marriage can definitely come back to bite you. It can create codependency. It can create, um, you know, it can. It, if you're telling your your parents secrets about you and your spouse. It can definitely uh, fly back in your face, so to speak. And so I pretty much learned the hard way that um, after being married, I could still be close with my parents, but I definitely cannot be their BFFs anymore. Um, Prior to marriage, I feel like parents always have a lot to say about who you marry and who who they feel like you should be with and I I think sometimes if we're not careful we allow our parents opinion to influence us in one way or the other and as I was married I guess I kind of I kind of I spoke about this a little bit before but I kind of lost myself. I would always have to ask my mom for her approval or her or her thoughts about what Nate did or what Nate didn't do or what I was going through with Nate's parents. I never really got to get my own, I guess, thought system. <coughs> I guess, I don't know. So, I don't know. My experience is totally opposite of Nate's experience with his parents. But at the end of the day, I think with me, I just really, I had to draw a line with my parents. And it is, I'm still drawing that line and it's extremely painful where I want to 
run and go tell my mom things before I tell Nate. And then I remember that Nate is my life partner and my parents aren't. Um, And that's super challenging. So I'd say probably before getting married, create that distance and not necessarily the, well, yeah, you need distance. I'd say create that distance and also define boundaries um, because before you know it, you'll be between your mom and your husband and your family and I don't know. I don't know. What do you think, Nate? Uh, so Alyssa, I had the opposite problem with Alyssa. Um, I love my parents. My parents have been great for me. Um, they've done right by me. They're, uh, just like Alyssa's parents, first generation, um, immigrants here to the States. And I am the first American born to my parents. So they, again, they did really great by me and helping me to grow up and be a man um, it was just very difficult growing up with them because it was hard to be intimate. So when we came to marriage, you know, the Bible talks about leaving Cleve. It was pretty easy for me to leave and kind of have a distance. What was difficult was integrating my new family with my old family. And that was difficult. And Alyssa could tell you a lot more about that and just how how there's such a role that your spouse plays in the integration uh because yeah you leave you leave and you leave your parents to cleave to your spouse but then on the flip side of that your family's still your family and there's like this learning period there's this growing pain that comes with your spouse learning the culture and the history dynamic of your family and so I had to, <laughs> uh, I had to learn how to protect my wife Yeah. from my family. Yeah. Well, Nate, Nate, I think, I think I, I don't know if I anticipated every parent parent-child relationship to be like what mine and my parents were like for example let's say my mom didn't hear from me every three hours she'd start to freak out Nate's mom went six months without hearing from him so we had drastic um, differences in our relationship with our parents and so when Nate talks about the leaving and cleaving I feel like Nate's parents really didn't know him but they had these expectations, who he was going to marry, what he was going to be, how he was going to do it. And I feel like at that time, obviously us conceiving out of wedlock and obviously, you know, us having to expedite our marriage was not the vision that Nate's parents had for us. And so I feel like there were a lot of maybe things that were unsaid but definitely felt um feelings of being unworthy uh for Nate um I feel like Nate's parents would continually discuss how he was supposed to be all these things and and I felt like I just didn't match those things 
you know, initially I heard it and I was like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But after hearing it over and over again and being around more and more of his family members, it's almost like, oh, you're the girl who ruined his life. And his parents wanted, still wanted and still pushed their agendas in our marriage. And I don't think it was, I don't think their intent was negative, but it definitely had a negative um feeling it definitely gave a negative reaction it made me feel negatively about myself and like Nate said he had to learn how to protect me from his parents and you know draw that hard line and say yeah I I I am your child but this is my family and some parents can't accept that I experienced that with my own parents like they don't take it seriously sometimes that we're a family and mom, I just can't hang out today. Or mom, we're not doing that. And it's almost like a okay moment where they're like, who do you think you are? And as much as our parents want us to have successful marriages, um, sometimes they can be the demise of our marriage if we're not careful with their projections and their lost dreams and their desires for their lives sometimes are projected onto our marriages. And it really does seem like I'm talking in a circle, but I just think I'm, I am reliving some of the experiences I had just trying to learn how to separate, well, Nate and I had trying to learn how to separate ourselves from our parents and become our own unit and, and, and get away from those ideas or, or what we learned a couple is and create our own idea or image of love, romance, parenthood. I don't know. We just, Alyssa and I just kind of like figured this out. When you get married, it's two individuals coming together, creating a new relationship. And then you're also recreating and reestablishing the relationships that you've had before, you know? Like, even with, if I have old friends, like some of my boys, some of my partners that uh, that I've been friends with a long, long time, like Chris, Hakeem, Phil, um, like people that have been around and supported me forever, those relationships are going to change too. Those relationships are going to be molded. Those relationships are going to be they don't, you don't, those relationships don't stay the same, you know? Like, if I used to go all, all the time with my boys, I get married, that's not going to happen anymore. And it's the same thing, the same way those things change with your boyfriends or with your girlfriends. It changes with your parents, too. It's just, we just don't think that. It's not the way we think because it's our parents. We sometimes assume that our parents are going to act in our best interest because they're our parents, but they're people too, and they're people with expectations. You know, I look, I'll be honest, I have huge expectations for my son Lucas. I, I love the little guy, don't get me wrong, but I've got huge expectations for him. And if he didn't meet them, or if he didn't try to meet them, or if he felt short, or if I felt like somebody got in the way of them, I'd be highly upset. And so I can't imagine how my parents might have felt. Or any parent might feel when their child is yoked to somebody who they think is going to impede them 
impede their baby because, you know, their precious child, their precious young one from reaching those goals. And so your parents aren't going to be the one to, 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 to do the change. The relationship you leave and you cleave, your parents aren't going to be the one to do that change. Most of the time, it's not going to happen. It's got to be you. You're an adult now, and you've got to redefine the relationship. You've got to redefine what it means to be their child. You've got to redefine and say, hey, ma, I know I used to do this. Hey, ma, I know I used to do that, but I can't do that no more, not with you. Not like this. I know we used to do this for Christmas, and I, we can do a version of that, but we can't do that because my family's trying Don't to do its own tradition. Because they'll take that little foothold and be like, "What do you mean? We can't do it no more." For the first two years, you might not be able to do any kind of version of anything. You just might have to say no. But after that, you might be able to remix it. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, like Nate said, we recently spoke about that scripture about. Um, leaving and cleaving and I think there is a parent responsibility in that too even though it's not directly speaking to um the parent I think parents should respect that that leaving and cleaving and allow their children to leave and cleave and I think it's difficult because you see your baby I can't imagine what it's going to be like when our son or our daughter gets married um and they just leave. I mean, empty nesting, empty nesters are real. And the pain that it comes with being an empty nester is real. I mean, not for everybody. I have no idea. I'm not an empty nester. I'm closer to leaving an empty nest than I am to having an empty nest. But um, I know that there's real hurt and depression associated with that. And then the divorce rate and and couples usually goes up around that time because you devote so much time to your children and now there's just you and your husband. So I know that it is hard for parents to let go of their kids, especially if those kids have been your life for the last 18 years. But there is a command, I think, from God to parents, allow your kids to leave and cleave, just as if, you know, a woman walking around in a bikini causes her brothers or presents the temptation of her brother slipping and falling um, and not obeying the word. I think that there is a way that parents can sabotage their children leaving and cleaving as well. And I don't think it's talked about i don't think it's really recognized but i think parents should do their best when their children are leaving and attempting to cleave to make conditions conducive for that um and if there's one thing that i promised myself that i would do is that when it's time for our little little ones to leave and cleave that nate and i would not be a hindrance to that and if we ever are we would hold each other accountable um And that we follow our own dreams and we don't deflect on our children like Nate's parents have done. And also my parents, as close as I was to my parents, there were a lot of things that my parents wanted to do that they didn't do. Make more money, maybe have a stronger marriage, um, continue on in ministry, 
a lot of things my parents wanted to do that they didn't do that I felt my mom or dad pushing on me and I had to put my foot down and say guys this is my marriage this is my life and this is how I want to do it and I'm not going to do what you dream of me having I'm going to do what God has called me to do and it may not to be make more money than you I pray that it is but <laughs> it may not be to 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 um to mentor couples the way you guys did so early on in your marriage it may be right now nurturing these children and taking care of them and serving at church in a different capacity serving on the being on the praise and worship team or setting up or tearing down the the church Um, our church is mobile so that's why i set up and tear down that is our way of serving for now um But I noticed that even my own parents, like I said, who I had a great relationship with, would just start to project things onto me. Like, you should do this. You and Nate should get this job and do this so that you guys can make this amount of money. And if you're not careful, you'll start to feel like you're failing. And I think I'm, I don't know if I'm talking more to the young marriages than the older marriages, because older marriages, I, I guess maybe you guys are already in yourselves. I'm not sure. But I know as a young person and being married, my parents would say, you should do this and you should do that. I felt conflicted because I know that's not what Nate and I wanted to do, like make more money and do this specific job. Like Nate's really good at math and science. You should be an engineer like your brother and make this amount of money so that you and Nate don't have to struggle. Nate doesn't really want to do that. (laughs) So it was like a battle of the sides. Like, should I think more about what my family wants to do? Or should I think more about what my former family wants us to do? And it sounds silly, especially if you're not married or maybe if you haven't gone through this. But it's a difficult, it was a difficult thing for me. I wanted to make my parents proud. But I also wanted to make my husband feel comfortable. And so there was a time in our marriage where I was trying to convince Nate to go be an engineer and he kept saying I don't want to go to college or I don't want to um go to college for engineering and I just could not understand it I'm like if you can do the work and propel our family forward financially why don't you do that so parents I think definitely do have an influence especially if you're close to them I don't know if Nate's parents had that much of an influence on him because he wasn't as close to his parents but There was even a point where I wanted to make Nate's parents proud, not because I I wanted them to feel good, but because I wanted them to feel bad because I think they thought we couldn't do it. So I wanted to impress them so that they could see that we could do it. Parents, oh gosh, they definitely have an influence on us for our lives ever and on. So I I just, y'all can hold me accountable if you know me in my old age that I will not chase my children down with my dreams of what should or shouldn't be or cultural dreams. Uh, Nate's parents didn't want him to marry a Jamaican. <laughs> I mean, it was a super, super specific. That was like the one rule my parents had, like no Jamaicans. They were like, if you're on a white girl, they were like, eh, maybe we'll think about it. But definitely no Jamaican. And guess what? Wound up in love with a Jamaican. Ain't God good? Yeah, I mean, 
At least Nate. Well, Nate, no, Nate didn't even know. We went on a date, and I had a flag in the car, and I think that's when he was like, "Lord help me, I don't know what I'm gonna do." But I don't know. Hmm. She got, she's not telling the story right. So we went out on our first date. It wasn't a date though. It was a not date. It was a not date, and we were outside of the restaurant in her car. And I saw it, and I was like, man, those are, I hope those are African colors. (laughs) I was like, God, let those be Africa colors. And so I just kept looking at it, and I was like, man, they look like Jamaican colors. And so I asked her, I was like, hey, are you Jamaican? She was like, yeah, I'm Jamaican. I like that, she Jamaican. And so I had a long conversation with my brother that night about, like, what I was supposed to do. I was like, man, she's Jamaican, bro. What do I do? Like, what do I do? He was like, what are you talking about, bro? And I was like, you know, I'm not supposed to marry Jamaican. Da-da-da-da. Mom said, grandma said, blase, blase, blah. He was like, oh, bro, I don't know what to tell you, bro. You're going to have to figure that out. You either like her or you don't like her. What you want to do? I was like, man, she's cool and all, but she's Jamaican, bro. He was like, all right, bro, stop wasting my time with these funky old questions and get out of my room. And so, here we are, married. I mean, and your parents can influence you positively, too. Just because I'm not coming up with any examples (laughs) doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But the point is, I think... You have to understand that there's a moment where their advice and their interest and their desires can no longer be uh, be yours. And I guess, again, it's different for me because, like I said, I was close to my parents. But I um, I don't know. It's, it's definitely a challenge to leave and cleave physically, but also leave and cleave from the mindset of being a kid. And for the people who are on the other side of the spectrum, who are more like me, who, um, for the people who are more like me and, um, the, the relationship with your parents is not maybe that in the healthiest spot right now. Um, you might be in a position where you're not sure how it's supposed to happen or how that relationship is supposed to get into place. I would just tell you right now, create the distance. Sometimes the best thing that you can do, both for yourself and for your marriage, is to create distance. Um, I know a lot of people try and use their parents as like a resource for daycare. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, you might use them as a financial resource. Don't do it. Because it's going to be better long-term for you to create that distance and have that those boundaries with your parents to be able to say, this is what my family's doing, this is what my family's not doing, and either respect that or I need you to just take a step back and let us operate how we how we so choose. Um, that may be in your 
that may be in your best interest, even though it may not feel like it, you know? Um, that's what, something that Alyssa and I had to do um, on my side, is really just take a step back, and you know what? Just allow us to grow into us. And it's not a bad thing at all. Um, it's, it's just something that we had to do for our own sake, for our own health. And, um, yeah, nothing wrong with that. And, I mean, this is, some people don't have, if you don't have this problem, then this episode just might not be for you this time. You might just be like, my parent, my relationship's great, my parents are great. And you know what? Some parents are. Some pa- parents understand kind of, you know, the role that they play. And that's super dope. Super, super dope. And you know what? I pray that you and your relationship with your parents just be a testimony to how you interact with your kids. So, um, but I hope this was definitely helpful to somebody. And look, it's hard because this is your parents. You know what I mean? This is not just like your friend where you could just be like, nah, son, I'm not coming to Christmas. You know, nah, son, we're not doing this. Nah, son, we're not doing that. It's like expectations, you know, just these hard hit, hard line expectations. Like this is going to happen or this is the way it's going to be. This is the way it's always been. This is the way it's got to be now. Don't worry about it. It's hard. Growth is always hard. Just push through. Agreed. And I also feel like um, I just want to talk about another aspect. Not talk about, but also also mention once you have kids, that's a whole nother arena. Because we have the idea that grandparents like to spoil kids. And I think that also falls under the leave and cleave. Um, grandparents I, grandparents should not spoil kids. That's not healthy. I don't, I don't, I, that's not what grandparents are supposed to do. It makes no sense whatsoever. I think it's from that book, Bringing Up Boys. Debate your mom. Don't debate me. Debate your moms. Anyway, the book Bringing Up Boys by Dr. James Dobson mentions um, how foolish it is for grandparents to spoil your young ones um, and how counterproductive it is. And so that is another read that I would suggest Bringing Up Boys. And there's also Bringing Up Girls, but I know it's in Bringing Up Boys for sure. Just mentioning um, how it's counterproductive. Parents are supposed to age you or or, um, be a supplement to your parenting, not a deduction. (laughs) And so I realized, too, like every time we send our little ones to grandparents, they come back feisty and entitled because they're spoiled. And it's not just Nate's parents and it's not just my parents. They both do it. So collectively, obviously, the kids always want to go to grandma and grandpa. And I I, I don't know, because I feel like when I become a grandparent, I'm going to be the biggest, like, sap ever. Like, Nate, we're going to get the baby this and that. And I hear it's a whole nother love when you have grandkids. But James Dobson is a grandparent, and he he co-signs that. Okay? So I just feel like um, he's right, you know. You that's definitely an area where you have to put your foot down. There was also a, t- a moment in our lives where Nate's parents swore they knew what was best for our kids and would sometimes not listen to us. We would say he doesn't eat that or we don't do that. And they would be like, oh, you need to feed him. You need to do this and that. I guess in Haitian culture, um, kids, people eat a lot. Show you, Haitians show their love through food. So Nate's parents would just overfeed the kid. Before the little one, the baby was born, they would overfeed 
our toddler and I'd be like, no, like, no, <laughs> that's not what we want. And when you would try to like kind of instruct them or, or just let them know like what we do, they would be like, mm, okay. <laughs> Parents are hard to separate yourself from. Parents are hard to stand up to. Parents are hard to impress. <laughs> so just don't, just don't focus on impressing God. And being a faithful spouse and all else will fall in line. And if your parents don't want to be in your life, it's easier said than done because you don't want to appease them. Then you have to put, you know, put up the peace sign. Unless you're, you know, not in God's will or something. I just, parents. The way I see it is they had their chance. This is your chance. Okay. Um, I feel compelled to pray for everyone who's listening. So just real quick, Lord, we thank you for everyone who's listening, single, married, married again, not thinking about being married, God. I just pray that you would help them make the proper um, proper divide, uh, proper distinguishment of leaving and cleaving and starting their own families, God. I just pray that everyone is inspired by your word and by your will and open their ears and hearts to what you have to say as it pertains to marriage. I pray for the single gal looking for a man to marry or hoping to be found by the man who wants to marry her. Um, I pray for the the married couple who's struggling on their last leg. God, we just lift all those, everyone up to you, Lord, in whatever stage of life they're in. We praise you and worship you and honor you in your name. Amen. Okay, so next week... Um, Our topic is when things get boring, (laughs) when things get boring. So marriage is definitely not butterflies and weak in the knees uh, at all. I think that's the number one misconception I hear from single girls. Oh, I'm just looking for my Boaz. Like, girl, no, you're looking for your enter your husband's name here you're not Ruth and your husband's name is not Boaz so just leave it okay and so everyone believes like gosh when I get married it's gonna be this it's gonna be that every single girl I've ever heard most single girls I ever hear talking about marriage have this fantasy and so when the hard times come and things start to get a little boring because they will what do we do what what happens you know, sex gets boring if you're a virgin or if you're holding out to marriage. Those things get boring. Uh, waking up to his face every morning at first is wonderful. It's glistening. And after a while, you start to see the crust on the side of his mouth. You know, things get boring. So next week, it's when things get boring. What to do when things get boring. Thank you guys for listening. And I want to say thank you guys for watching because I just feel like I'm on TV right now. (laughs) Thank you guys for watching. Um, We appreciate y'all. Have a good week. And this is The Knock.